Welcome to our podcast, Doing It Right. This podcast reveals authentic stories from successful leaders doing it right. It's about their journey to become a leader, their choices, motivations, and lessons. In essence, how they built successful personal brands. Your host is Valerie Sokolowski, author of eight leadership books and nationally known as an authority on executive presence and personal branding. Let's get started. Here's Valerie. Fashion is her life, and she's authentic beyond the pose. I think divine gifts just produce extraordinary results. And today, Jan Strempel is my guest. She's an internationally renowned couture fashion model. And when Jan walks down that aisle, or simply up to you as a person, there's warmth, there's grace, and it's very powerful. My opinion, Jan was born to do what she does. Let me tell you a little bit. Her divine gift was uncovered and nurtured as a child. A young, freckled brunette at the time, girl, living in Ohio. And when she began her career, she simply did a few shoots and maybe some hair things, and that catapulted her to the top, which you'll hear about fascinating stories. Jan is recognized worldwide. You've seen her picture all over fashion magazines, and she credits her unique style to the many, many years she worked with Yves Saint Laurent and Bob Mackey. I want you to take a look now at some of the pictures, the fashion pictures I found, so that you could see. Jan's current company, Jan Strimple Productions, produces premiere events and fashion shows, while at the same time, she's mentoring young fashionistas, their interns, who covet the opportunity to be with Jan and to learn from her. In fact, they're called Jan Turns. <laughs> so let me welcome the beautiful Jan Strimple. Thank you, Valerie. A delight to be here and uh, share in your message of uh, just being positive and functioning in a positive way. Thank you. Thank you for that. Mm -hmm. I have so many questions. I think I would fill a full two hours with you, but let me just start by asking you to uh, tell us a little bit about these fashion productions you're now doing, and where do these Jan turns fit in? Well, I started doing fashion production by giving my time in a philanthropic situation a couple of times, and the results were I put my ideas out there and then paying clients came to me that were seated in the audience and said, we love what you did, would you do that for us? So that is really how my Jan Strimple Productions business started, by giving and by having a voice for my creativity and my ideas and probably had a few little blips in, along the way until you really learn all the nuances of production and how to run a really tight technical production. But. And then I started getting a lot of clients that were nonprofits. 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 Mm -hmm. So nonprofit clients, really, their bottom line is critical, of course, to everything. And at the same time, I was thinking, how can I help them achieve the goals of excellence that they want, but do it within this very tawdry budget? So, uh, so really, I thought, well, let me start working with some interns. So I reached out to the University of North Texas. Okay. They have accredited internship program. So for six months, for one semester, someone could sit at my side, earn their internship credit, three credit hours, while they are walking the walk of production and styling in my business with me. Mm -hmm. Then I realized 
not only will my clients gain from that, and I will gain from that, but they will gain from that. Because oh, that is a, my favorite thing is when you can stand back and say, this is a win-win for all parties. Mm -hmm. And when it is, everyone has a takeaway. How do you measure that takeaway? Sometimes it's financial, sometimes it's life experience, sometimes it's an attitude adjustment, <laughs> you know, a lot of different reasons, but, um, but everybody gains. So we, it just kind of developed organically from that idea to the point that people, the interns would start speaking to one another and then I'd have people saying, may I come an intern for you? So we started this program where they come about a year before I would even probably take them into my close internship, which are, those are the Jan turns, as they Jan started calling turns. themselves. So prior to that, it's come and work on the day of, come and work the day before, learn about the logistics of fashion show production and the responsibility of live theater of fashion, how to handle the merchandise, how to work with the very high-end luxury clients, how to take a non-luxury client and make it look like a luxury client, mm. all the tricks of the trade, So, and what professional standards are. So um, we've learned and they've become lifelong friends and I continue to mentor. Um, it's a beautiful thing. I learn from them and their lives because they are from diverse ethnicities, they are from diverse cultures, um, different faiths. So we sometimes, the work's done at 6.30 or 7 and we might stay for dinner and at 10.30 we're still having a conversation about life. And we, my husband and I, Dan, I learned from them just as they learned from us. So, so Dan's involved. He is, because, because I have a home office. Uh -huh. So consequently, these are young women and a few young men mm -hmm. that have come into our home and basically camped and lived six months of our lives with us. So they come in like a work. They mm -hmm. come in at 8 o'clock or yes. whatever uh -huh. and leave yes. at whatever. Uh -huh. And sometimes they meet, sometimes we're working at the house because we're preparing. Mm -hmm. Other times we're in meetings. We're at, we're at North Park, we're at Highland Park Village, we're at the Galleria, we're at a chairwoman's home. We're learning the logistics of an event. Uh, and then we start the planning back at the home and then we go into the field to bring it to life. So, Jan. <laughs> What's it like behind the scenes? I mean, I come to the fashion shows and I see all the beautiful results of it, but what really goes on and what are the funniest things that have happened maybe? Well, well <clears throat> fashion production is live, so it's just like theater. So an actor can miss a line. Someone else hopefully picks it up and the audience doesn't notice that. So the goal is to, to not have any mistakes and the way to achieve that is proper preparation. And that's what everybody learns. Um, but there's some crazy things that happen live, like, um, you know, like there was a girl, for example, in the Salvation Army show this last uh, spring, 2018, that was in a gorgeous, amazing, glamorous gown, and she walked to the end of the runway, and she was, I'm sorry, she was just approaching the end of the runway, and she fell. She stepped Ooh. out of her shoe, oh. but the ankle strap stayed on. So here's this shoe, and she <laughs> fell. In, but she kind of buckled in the most graceful way, pushed herself back up while the model passing her offered a hand to help her up, never skipped a beat, continued walking to the end, hit a bold pose, turned around, walked back, two-thirds of the way back, fell again. And the entire time she was never in her second shoe. So you're walking on a tiptoe, <laughs> you know, and she got up, she finished, she came back out for finale, and we had a fabulous show. It didn't take away from the show, but I can tell you the audience, she had the audience's heart, heart. because of how she handled something 
instead of collapsing. She yes. picked herself back up and moved right through with beautiful carriage and grace. Uh. And then she fell again. So it's funny in retrospect, and she's, you know, we'll absolutely put her on the runways again. That's live theater, and that happens, but she handled it beautifully. That's a really funny story. One time I was on stage, and this was kind of fun, um, and we, there were, we were doing a double. And it was, it was like early 90s when we did doubles instead of singles Two down the Two people coming out. Two mm -hmm. people coming out at the same time. And we were specifically told, this was at the Fairmont Hotel, that there was a round, the front curve of the stage was rounded. Then they put a runway off the end of it. Mm -hmm. So they created a faux stage that looked, that where there was nothing under. They just put a topping. But they said to all of the models, do not walk there. There's nothing underneath that. <laughs> So sure enough, the girl I was doing double with, you know, didn't pay attention. We went down to the end. We came back, and we did a turn. And as I walked down to the end, I thought, there's no one, there's no one next to me. So I posed at the end and kind of turned. And when I turned back around, I saw her from here up, giant eyes staring out of a pit at me, and one shoe by her ear right at last stage level. So I thought, hmm. What, what would Lucille Ball do? Because what else are you going to do? I thought, everyone's looking at me. I need to do something with this. So I turned back around. I went like this to the audience. I went, be right, like, be right back, right? And turned around, walked over, offered my hand to the model, helped her up, put her in the shoe, and then went, take it away, you know, with a hand gesture. And, of course, the audience loved it because of what I did with that what have, could have been a debacle. You can't act like it didn't happen. So... Comedy actually helps those scenarios oh, tremendously. So. We will never watch a fashion show or event again and not remember these stories. Isn't that right? <laughs> you know, you even as you were telling that story, uh -huh. there is this powerful grace, Jan, to you that that I've I, I'm just amazed with. And you're six feet tall. Mm -hmm. um, how did you? Did you get into modeling because you're six feet? Tell us how you got into this in the first place when you first started modeling. I started at 13 in what used to be called a charm program. A charm school. <laughs> a little bit of a finishing program that the Montgomery Ward stores used Wendy to offer. Ward. Wendy Ward. Were you a Wendy Ward girl? I was. <laughs> oh, Valerie, I love it. Okay. Well, Wendy Ward was a national program. Yes. And uh, I took that, and I thought, I kind of like this. I did the graduation fashion show and <laughs> you know, with my little short mini skirt, and it was A-line, and it was probably, I don't know, in the 60s. It would have been 60s. Oh, don't uh, tell. Yeah. Don't tell. <laughs> That's all good. It's all good. I don't count anyway. It doesn't really matter. But I, I was thinking A-lines in the 60s and yes. little short mini skirts. Anyway, I did the show, and I thought, I kind of like this. So I got this little bug bit me about being on stage, and that was kind of fun. My mother sang professionally, so I thought, well, and I watched her growing up on stage with glamorous gowns and gorgeous long earrings, and, and I would be the front row, and I would sit there and watch her, and I just absorbed all of that, all that beauty, all of her stage presence. But I cannot hold a note. I can't, I can't sing in tune. So singing was not going to be my thing. And I, but I got, I got the kind of fashion bug from the Wendy Ward program. So I actually worked as a pace setter, which is what the Wendy right. Ward girls were called. Mm -hmm. And you learn from that how to be comfortable, how to be confident, how to walk through the store and talk to someone, an adult, somebody with gray hair when you're 14, you know, someone you don't know. 
So you get over whatever reservations or fear you have because they're challenging you to say, well, we have a perfume promotion this Saturday and we're going to use you for that. So please walk through the store and let everyone know and spray, hand out spray, perfumes spray. and sprays and things. So you learn how to be comfortable with people when you are pushed beyond your comfortable mm. boundaries mm. and not just your friends and family. And then by 16, I was doing their television spots. You know, it's uh, one of those things. Uh, and then by 17, was teaching the Wendy Ward program, teaching also young women that were in their early 20s that were coming for the charm part of it that were beyond me in age. But when you're tall, people assume you're older than you are, so no one bothered to ask me how old I was. So Where was why this? Tell them. Where was Akron, this? Akron, Ohio. Akron, Ohio, okay. I'm a Midwestern girl for mm -hmm. sure. And, if, and it brought those normal, what I call very normal, values with me in mm -hmm. my entire industry and all my growth, all my work in Europe and without apology. I remember when I was backstage at one of the big shows in backstage, I think it was in Italy, uh, and this picture came out in a magazine of what the, what the models do when they're waiting for hair and makeup or waiting oh. before the, they get in their first changes. And I'm back there with my cross stitch and my embroidery doing, and that's what I did around the world for 12 years. I have an amazing things to show for it. And they, people would be like, what are you doing? And it's like, what's well, called cross stitch or embroidery? Uh, and that's what I would do. You know, other girls would be s puffing on their cigarettes or just sitting over there talking. And I, w I was always a be constructive, use your downtime. And it fascinated people. That's yeah. just very real. Yeah, it's, it's like very I'm, real. I'm okay with cross stitch. Yes, totally. Go ahead and yeah. smoke your cigarette. Yeah, exactly. It was just my, it was, I, I also couldn't just sit there. I wanted mm. to have something productive as a result. So every time I pull those out, I'm, I have great memories attached to those. So it was very, very me, very what I call Midwestern values. And it doesn't really matter where you work. Hopefully, you, if you have a nice upbringing, you'll carry those, those things with you and, uh, and perhaps even share them with other people that you can tell are hungry for mm -hmm. finding their own paths in life. So. so really what you have just talked about, Jan, more uh, about you and then also the fashion industry because we, we tend to think the fashion industry is this and it's that or the entertainment industry. It's not. It's real people like you, many of them, who, in your words, kept your... Midwest values. Mm -hmm. So what about when you first married and what did you do? <laughs> Were you modeling then? <laughs> well I had modeled uh, a little bit in the Ohio area and then my husband who is a couple years older than I am, um, we finished uh, college and we took off. We had $600 between us. I have owned an orange Vega with a black racing stripe. In fact I proudly can say that I was the, I remember the state of Ohio change the age that a from 21 to 18 that a under 21 person could sign a legal contract hmm. and be held liable for it oh. so I was I bought a car before I could physically own it I bought it in the end of a year and then the January 2nd because the first was a holiday our banker actually could make that a viable contract where I actually owned and bought and outright my first car as one of, I think I may have had the first you know legally signed contract for a purchase of a car in the state of Ohio by a then probably 18 year old or 19 year old <clears throat> um, so we hopped in my car and decided we wanted to go 
wanted to go see what the rest of the country looked like. We, did, we grew up in Ohio, and when you grew up in Ohio, you vacation in Florida or on the uh, East Coast. And mm. I had never been west of the Mississippi. Neither had Dan. It was like the Mississippi was the Pacific Ocean, you know. So we decided to venture west. So we did. We went for two years. We traveled all over two the country. Two years. We had a two-year what we called our traveling honeymoon. We picked a map, and we started following, and we picked a place to go, and we met people along the way. We took jobs for six and seven weeks, and then we'd give them our, you know, we're we're out of here. But we gave them everything we had during that time, and we're always offered jobs. No, please, can you stay? What would it? What does it take to? to have you stay with us. So we, we learned something really valuable along the way, Val Valerie, and I think we, it helps you test yourself when you test the waters mm. of, what do I know, what have I learned, but, but how does that stack up against other people? Will mm. I be able to compete successfully in my field? And at that point, my field wasn't really fully determined. <clears throat> um, but we learned that we stood out. You stood out. We I guess you did. Simply by our work ethic. Oh. Okay. Just by our work ethic and by our ability to look people in the eye and offer a smile and listen to their request or their need. And ultimately, in many cases, we were off selling a service. We were working in a retail store. We were working at a, a, a Westin hotel. You know, we were doing different things that were all basically in the service industry. Um, one time I was a waitress for six weeks. And I remember <laughs> that fun. Well, it was the breakfast shift, and they hired just about anybody, apparently, because they hired me. And I had never served anything. And that first two mornings, I served cold eggs and cold toast. Because you have to learn timing. And nobody oh, has the time today. You're not trained in jobs today. So the things that we learned along the way are that, first of all, that we are going to succeed in whatever we do. Because we that. give it everything we have. Isn't that simple? And that's so simple. That's so straightforward. Yes. And when you walk into the rest of your life with that message, mm -hmm. you walk in with confidence. No matter what industry. Doesn't matter what. Mm -hmm. Because if you give everything you have rather than part of yourself, mm -hmm. you're going to succeed. You can learn skills. Unless you're untrainable, but you know, mm -hmm. monkeys are trainable. So, you know, I can't imagine that a human being is not. So <clears throat> Are you seeing people today with your sense of of what you just said that just give it your best and show up and that's an interesting question <clears throat> um, because the, the people that come to me are generally 20 to 23 24 years old you know right in that category mm -hmm. so coming to me second year of college third year of college starting to fold into our world interested in getting an internship gaining their next step what would their career direction be and the ones that get close to me have been weeded out <laughs> because weeded we've out. watched them where we, we have them come into our large projects and they do a small job on those large projects. And if they can't get there on time, if they have excuses, mm. excuses are, they don't exist in our world. You're oh. not allowed to have excuses. Interesting. You may have a reason but not an excuse. That's interesting. Reason is one thing, excuses. <laughs> yeah. How do you differentiate that, it's Jim? The, it's about honesty. It's about truth. Uh -huh. um, there's an old adage that I don't think that anyone, uh, you know, under 40 has ever heard, but it's it's the story about the boy who cried wolf. 
Mm. And you know, we can if you if you constantly are saying, "Oh, I'm late because of this," or "Oh, this happened to me," or whatever. It's like, mm, no, your word it doesn't mean anything. We don't believe that any longer. Um, so we'll take that in situations where it's not relevant whether they're late or whether they no show. Mm. <clears throat> but they immediately go into um, an intern handbook that we keep, and we have the. We have the um, people who will succeed and the people we doubt will succeed in that handbook, and that's how they're categorized. It's interesting. Well, that's and it's tough. based on nothing but their own actions. That's tough. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that if you demonstrate early on that you, you don't, that what you say, with the words that come out of your mouth have no value, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. why should anyone believe any word that comes out of your mouth? From well, your I, friends through your business relationships. Sure. That gets back to values. Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> tell us more about things now looking back that you would like to share with anyone, uh, whether they're in technology, engineering, whatever, whatever industry, those things about <coughs> honesty and, and uh, Midwestern uh, values, what, what's really important in business today? Um, <clears throat> I think that your integrity um, is the only thing your integrity, your will, your will, your ideas mm -hmm. are the things that you have. And your honesty, mm -hmm. all of those things are things that are core to you. Um, no one can take those things away from you. Well, perhaps someone could steal your ideas, but they can't steal your, your will. Mm -hmm. They can't steal your integrity. Those things are who you are. They can't steal it. If you're an honest person, a kind but honest person, there's mm -hmm. a way to deliver honesty, I think, or to share honest values, um, that those things are yours forever. And then if you walk through life with those things as your tools in your toolbox of life, you'll find success in everything that you do, from friendships to marriage, <laughs> mm -hmm. through um, your business relationships, mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> through your faith relationships and through having relationships with people that have very different values than you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, something we're hugely missing today in this country is the dialogue of difference. Isn't that true? Yeah, and tolerance for difference. Mm -hmm. um, and I think you also have to own your mistakes and your successes. And your successes. We don't celebrate our successes. Mm -hmm. Hopefully own our mistakes, yes. but... And it's good but, to learn. You have to learn from those mistakes mm -hmm. um, because if not, you're just, uh, you know, treading in the same dark space constantly. So, like I said earlier in some of my, I'm sure in some of my earlier um, productions, I've probably made a few mistakes along the line, but I can tell you that, first of all, I don't dwell on the negative, so I couldn't tell you what they were now because that's not what I spent time on. They didn't that's take good. up space in my brain. That's but I, I can tell you that I actively would have learned from them. Mm -hmm. So I have a strong production um, ethos, basically, at this point in time about doing something a certain way and doing it the right way, which is, I think, very important. Um, you also have to realize, I think, when you... <coughs> You also have to realize when you contribute to something, especially with nonprofit clients, mm -hmm. that you are able to learn skills as an intern coming in with working with me. Whether you're uh, whether you're paid or you're partially paid, you're working at a lower rate because it's for, for a nonprofit, or whether you're donating your time. 
you, there is great value in your contribution, and that should never be negated. You should have pride in what you contribute to. Yes. You should have le you should learn that along the way, um, and you should carry that forward. And I always encourage the interns that give this time to to these projects that those should those things should be listed on their resumes or listed on their CVs. Um, it's a part, and sometimes these young sometimes these young people come to me with no awareness of that part of our social structure at all, because in their households it wasn't. It either wasn't time for it because their parents were scraping by and it was just, let's get food on the table, mm -hmm. let's be sure kids get to school, you know. Mm -hmm. Then I have some very well-heeled interns who come to me that were, were raised with philanthropy. Mm -hmm. And um, some not-so-well-heeled interns come to me that were raised with philanthropy of spirit and heart through uh, church initiatives quite often or, you know, synagogue initiatives, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, so interesting because we, we learn from them well, they learn from us. So I think one of the messages I always want to leave people with is that you can do, you have so much to offer, whether it's just your time and you don't have a skill set to go with it yet, you'll learn it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's your attitude, <clears throat> because your attitude can uplift someone else. You never know when a smile or when eye contact mm -hmm. and a moment of conversation can change the path of someone's day. I remember working in Russia once. I went there three times for work in a two-year period. And I, while I was on the airplane going over for one of these bookings, this is like, oh, thank God I live in this country. I landed, and Gorbachev at the time had called a, minister, a meeting of all of his ministers. So from all over the Soviet Union, everyone met, which meant they bumped everyone from the hotels. Oh, It doesn't matter. He calls this emergency meeting and everyone gets bumped. Mm. So I'm going over to play the lead in a play at a theater across from the Kremlin. Oh my goodness. Where they're going to translate my English words into Russian. Obviously I didn't speak Russian. And I have, by the time I land, the producer of the play took his mother out of her personal apartment, because I was going to be there for four weeks, and moved her in with him and gave me her personal apartment. So I was living amongst Russians during, prior to the change. Mm -hmm. And I literally, I'm from a Texas. You know, I'm not, I feel like I am from Ohio. So everybody now. looks at people in the eye and you offer a hello. People stare at the ground when they walk. No one looks people in, in the, it looks one another in the eye. Mm. There's no communal thought. There's no, it's survival. It's survival of self. Mm. And there is very little, it's very demeaning. And I thought, how, you know, I go, I walk by somebody, there's no acknowledgement that there's another person on the shared sidewalk. Mm. I will never be that person. I will never be that person. And I feel sorry for people who live with those blinders, you know, like a horse in Central Park that's like this. Mm. You can't open up, you can't look left and you can't look right because you are told that this is your thing. And sometimes the blinders are physically put on you, whether they're mental or physical. <clears throat> and it's so sad. So I come back, I, every time I came back from the trip thinking, oh my God, what a grateful. great, beautiful comfort. Just con grateful. Beautiful country to live in where mm -hmm. we have freedom of thought and freedom of action. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> that, that just goes so, uh, so strongly to <clears throat> gratitude. Mm -hmm. If we're grateful every day and we tell ourselves what we're grateful for every day, we push out 
what we don't have, mm -hmm. what somebody else is doing. Mm -hmm. And it's so easy, Jan, to look at somebody else or something else and why didn't I, why didn't I, why didn't I? We become, <laughs> we become, can become whammers. What about me, what about me, what about me? Mm -hmm. I've not heard that expression, Valerie, but I like that. You can coin it, you can <clears throat> have it, whammers. I've, I learned a long time ago that there are two kinds of people when they look at opportunity. Some people think that there's a line right here and there's only so many slots. And for them to succeed, you have to pull someone out of a slot to get into that slot. Wow, what a Frightening, mm. frightening mm. thought. But there are a lot of people who think mm -hmm. that they have to take people down mm -hmm. as they go up. <clears throat> and then there are people who realize that there's wiggle room for everybody. Uh -huh. I like and that, that there's not a, an infinite, you know, left or right on that line of success. It's a great visual. It's a visual. As you're doing for me. this, I'm visualizing little pulling down or wiggling. <laughs> I saw an article once, and I found I took great offense to this. This is probably 25 years ago. It was an illustrator, uh, and they illustrated. It was a, st a story about how men succeed and how women succeed, and that was years ago. Okay. But there was a drawing of a, a ladder. A, a, the proverbial corporate ladder. Mm -hmm. And it was leaning against a wall, and there was a man in a suit, and he was reaching down, offering his hand to the next man. And when the woman's drawing, illustration, of the corporate ladder was here's a woman and her stilettos in her suit, kicking the head in of the woman next on the ladder. Whoa. And I thought, no, nobody that I know functions that way, or certainly not people that I choose to have around me because the people who function that way are not in my life. I don't Good. give them space. Good. Why would you let them occupy your thoughts, your life, your brain? They manipulate you into their dark spaces and their dark way of thinking. <clears throat> Jan, have you ever had a bad boss? Someone like that? No. No, I've worked with one or two girls who lived in that space and when I saw them for what they are, I just thought they don't. For me, it just they don't exist. Mm -hmm. They're just they don't exist. They're even if I was working, I just had nothing to do with them because they. I don't. If you acknowledge people like that, you let them into your space. So yes, I totally understand that. <laughs> and I see a lot of young women today that come to me that have mm -hmm. let in a in the male female relationships mm -hmm. have let young men into their space or very disruptive female friends into their space. Mm -hmm. That I'm like, how? That's not. <laughs> those are those late night conversations about right. look at that. Step back and look at that clearly. People that are trying to bring you into their or guide you in that direction are, are sucking your life away. They, they, they Don't go, yeah, yeah, and you're giving it to them. Don't and you're let giving them do it to that. them. Yeah. I call them gainers and drainers. Mm. Do you spend your time with more gainers or more drainers? That's an interesting point. Gainers or drainers, yeah. yeah. Wow, Jan, so much, so much you've learned. Uh, can you think of anything that has been maybe one uh, aspect of your fabulous career that you hold up and say, wow, this, this moment just, I'll never forget it. This moment I'll never forget. Do you have a moment like that? I, wow, that's an interesting one. Um, I have, I feel like I have just been blessed with my entire life. 
with positive upbringing, positive thoughts, positive energy, mm -hmm. crazy fabulous opportunities, mm -hmm. <clears throat> um, and then the ability to make up my mind in a split second with a partner who has an open mind. Dan? Um, about Dan, yeah, about um, taking advantage of opportunities that come our way. Were they, did we create them? Were they handed to me? You know, it's probably a little bit of all of that, mm -hmm. I quite frankly think. But, um, but yeah, you go for it. And, you, and I've had so many as a result, Valerie, it would be really hard to distinguish um, one or two. I mean, I, I can tell you that I've, in a bigger picture and in a grander scale, working with Bob Mackey has mm. altered and changed my life. Really? Oh, he's an amazing man. Um, he uh, also totally, you know, understanding the nuance of, of glam. Think about Bob Mackey. Glam. 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 Bob nailed humor. Think about Carol Burnett. Yes. <laughs> Think about Whoopi at the Academy Awards of however many years ago when she right. came out as the queen. You know, Bob <laughs> nailed humor and he nailed glam. Share mm. and all her n f naked fabulousness, where she wasn't really naked. That's I mean, true. Uh, there is no uh, two extremes, and he was able to merge them together, and he still is. I mean, the Share show is, you know, debuted what December second on Broadway, mm -hmm. and uh, I saw it with him in Chicago when it was in the works. Uh, so I'm looking forward to zipping up to uh, New York as soon as my season's done and seeing it again. Mm. But to have Bob as a mentor for mm. me is a phenomenal gift in my life because it opened a lot of doors. But you know what he did early on before no. I completely knew? What? He believed in me. And when he How believed... How did you know that? How did you know By that? the opportunities he gave me. He saw some things in me that I didn't really probably know were there. Mm -hmm. And I realized when I can step back, it was my freedom of upbringing. It was my freedom of thought. It was my, it was my freedom on stage because mm -hmm. he loved a good performance. <clears throat> and with that came responsibility. So with those freedoms, he would test me a little bit, give me something, test me a little bit more, give me something and in terms of performance. And then I would start traveling with Bob and learn so much from, from him and how he handled himself. And it was a pri it's been a privilege to be a muse for Bob for a good 25 years. That's, yeah. that's phenomenal because <laughs> we don't know things about <clears throat> people like Bob Mackey. Mm -hmm. So for you to tell us a little bit behind the scenes, and then I especially appreciate what you said about I believe in you. You're doing that, Jan. You're doing these, these uh, Jan turns mm -hmm. such a favor because if I understand it correctly, you vet them to the oh. hilt yes, or they do. don't become mm -hmm. a Jan turn. And you told me you even have been told that you have the Jan University. Yeah. Which, <laughs> are they, yes. Do they get accredited or what? I, I think they get jobs. There, there's, well, that's even <laughs> yeah. good. Because they literally, yeah. from large corporations in town and small businesses here, they will all, uh, I get constantly have mm -hmm. said, Jan, you know, who do you have? Who do you have? We're looking for this. We're looking for this. But they, it, they also know that I work them hard. Sure. I give them a great sense of responsibility, mm -hmm. and, I re, and I expect great things from them as ah, a result. So um, one of them said one day when I gave her a lot of responsibility one year on the Diffa show, and she, um, she said, I'm, I'm, I, I think I have this, Jan. She said, but, you know, and I said, this is such a massive program, and your role is the assistant producer on it, so I'm going to give this to you. Mm -hmm. and, and know that I'll be at the other side of this ballroom, but I need you to manage this. I need you to own this. Own this. I'm there. I'm on the other side of the ballroom. If you need me, come to me with questions. But I know 
your judgment. I trust you to do this, and I have your back. Because if you fail, I fail. Oh. And she said to me afterward, we had a killer show, and she said to me a couple days later in wrap-up, she said, I was really more fearful than I let on to you to, for the responsibility you'd given me. But the minute you said, Jan, you know, if, you, if I fail, you fail. And then she said, I realized that, that it just cleared it all. My nervousness went away, and I, every decision I made, I made with confidence because you had educated me to this mm. point. So I thought, it's kind of, Dan and I laugh because we feel like he did the same in his business. He's a PGA golf professional. He's mentored so many people. And he and I both share a philosophy that, he and I both share a philosophy that um, the more people that you have mentored that, have, that, are having, that are successful, the more people that you've mentored that are successful, the better parenting job you have done. <laughs> Whether you paid for their education or ran That's them good. through your birth canal or not, it really doesn't matter. Yes. You know, it's, it's another kind of education. And yes. that's, we both feel really blessed that the, all of these people have entered our lives and that we've been able to help course a bit of their life as well. So it's a beautiful, beautiful it's thing. It's a blessing. When are you going to write your book? <laughs> I have no idea. When well, I stop producing, talk about that. <laughs> you know, uh, there's an old um, expression, uh, and there's a lot of value in some old expressions, and I have several of them on my kind of my bulletin board at home, which I just keep up. It's kind of an inspiration board, would be the correct terminology I like that. today. That's good. And it's things I read <clears throat> and things I remind myself of that I hope to, to carry through my life every day. And one of those things is it says, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. Uh, that's pretty powerful. Say, say it one more time. If you, if you don't, don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. anything. It means that's about powerful. being weak. If you're sure. floating and you don't know and mm -hmm. you haven't defined your values and mm -hmm. your own morality mm -hmm. in your relationships, your work or whatever it is, you'll be the, I, they'll be the first person and I have this visual. I think a lot, I think, I visualize it because I'm a visual person, that we're all born with a little nose ring right here, you know, like a bull in the field has. And <clears throat> some people it's decorative and other people just let people come up and go like this and lead them this way and lead them this way. And, and they're guided that way by that ring. Mm. And it's like, no, that's, mm. that's yours. It's decorative. You're in control of that. Don't let people grab it and pull your head to the left or pull your head to the right. That is that is such an interesting visual. I'll mm -hmm. never forget it. It's a good one. Uh, and it and it goes to the work I do in in personal branding. The one thing that people say, well, what is it? Well, I know my brand. Well, okay, so you do, but do you really? That it's the core. It's the it's your point of view. It's been so interesting to me to help these leaders really <coughs> get what their true point of view is mm -hmm. about life, mm -hmm. about community, and about leadership. But you have to help eliminate the noise the in noise. their brains. Mm -hmm. our, no our worlds today, mm -hmm. Valerie, are so noisy. Everything is set to take your attention someplace else. Oh, there was, a there was an amazing man who passed away a couple of years ago, and a dear friend of mine dated him in her second or third marriage, I'm not sure, in his second. <clears throat> and he was a coach here in town. 
and he offered he coached so many youth at one of the private boys school in town and we my husband and I went to his memorial service and there was a simple quote his attitude towards every day and it's on my inspiration board his name was coach Jim Welch mm. and he said he'd wake his sons up his son spoke at his memorial and they said this and they mm. put this in his memorial uh, folder or program that he'd wake them up in the morning and he'd say good morning wake up boys it's another glorious day in which to excel what a message what a way to greet the day isn't that amazing? That is amazing. Yeah. That is amazing. Upbringing, attitude, attitude. It's just We're so in simple. control of the attitudes. My mother used to always say, very. She would also always say she'd shake her head at the attitudes that people carry th with them in life. Mm -hmm. Did you ever hear the demonstration? I don't remember. I know it was done in a classroom once, and again, visual, <clears throat> where a professor asked all the students to bring a 10-pound bag of potatoes with them to school. A 10-pound bag of potatoes. So all these kids had to, you know, mother had to, like, next Monday, so mom better buy this at the grocery store. So they bring it in. That's heavy. So he asked them to empty their bags. They had empty bags. Then he started asking them questions. What about, is there someone in this classroom that you don't like? that you carry it, you have animosity for, if so, put a, put a potato in your bag. They put a potato in their bag. Mm -hmm. You know, is there someone, blah, 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 that you don't feel good about, or you think someone did you wrong, or whatever, put a potato in your bag. Is there blah, blah, blah? And then he asked us some questions, and then when he was done, some kids had their bags pretty much full. <laughs> Other had very few potatoes in their bags. And he told everybody to stand up, and walk around the classroom in a slow circle. There's a, a, a medita moving meditation is a term called slumping, hmm. where you walk in a circle. It could be around a pool, it could be around, it could be in a field, but you walk and think. So he basically had them slump with their bag of potatoes. And then he had them stop and he said to them, you don't have to carry that weight around with you. You're choosing to carry that burden. Think about the choices that you make. It's pretty profound. Everyone should have that exercise. Every child and then every adult, again, in a corporate boardroom. Mm -hmm. It would change a lot of attitudes that we choose mm -hmm. to inflict on others mm -hmm. that we carry with us in this lifetime. Well, I just got a new new piece for my training programs, yeah. Jan. It's, I think that's pretty awesome. It's and pretty you're amazing. so right. Yeah. You had <clears throat> you had also uh, such such powerful things you've already shared and it was a poem that you mentioned you brought. Um, a is poem. there something I, let's see. that uh, oh, yes. was know, the lady? I'm sorry. I did. Yeah. I brought Ashley a, Ford. Uh, Ashley Forbes Kellogg was um, a person who in similar field uh, to yours, where you are guiding, you're pulling the best, you're, you're helping someone be their best and hone their message, uh, and therefore the trail that they leave in life. I look yes. at it, again, being a visual person. Mm -hmm. And I thought Ashley was a very wise woman in explaining one of my favorite sayings uh, as I hone models, because I teach young models how to present themselves by body movement. Mm -hmm. 
without opening their mouth. Mm -hmm. Their body has to convey something, and they has to convey confidence on stage. So I love what she said. This is what she said. Confidence, in a nutshell, is being aligned. Your feet are planted squarely under your body, and your actions, thoughts, and words line up. It's a visual. That's a really good visual alignment. And confidence is sexy. Mm. It's sexy. And the fashion business is sexy. So when I teach the girls, Mm -hmm. you know, to walk, I'm like, you have to be confident and powerful. And I know you're 14, but I'm going to teach you how to move your hip a little bit. Don't do this in your hallways at school, you know. But this is what we do. We power up through the shoulder Uh to carry a garment. And then we soften it and make it a little sexy and appealing through the hip. That's how you deliver a garment today. So carriage, posture, I was raised by two parents who every day would check our posture in a good way because dad always said to the three daughters, of which I'm the dreaded middle child, the bossy one, of course, (laughs) that how you carry yourself in life without opening your mouth tells others how you'd like to be treated. Just your posture. Just your posture. Yeah. Okay, then carry yourself well and then me in the fashion business I'm saying and that's how you carry a garment on stage Mm -hmm. so I say to these young models why would someone pay you in Dallas $100 an hour or someplace else $500 an hour or $1,000 an hour to wear a garment when you can't stand up straight in it and we can all do that we can all do that we are absolutely empowered and people who can't Mm -hmm. that's where their will there there are models I have that's where their will comes in I've worked with models who have, scol- have had scoliosis and have had operations, and hmm. they, they might have one hip a half inch lower than the other and a back that's a little bit, spine that's a little bit curved, but they have a will and a desire and a fortitude of thought. They want to walk a runway. So Jan, how do you deal with, in your Jan turns, someone that doesn't meet your expectations? You know, I think that my role is kind of the role of tough love. That mm-hmm. if there's someone who is just starting to work with me and they they don't understand that this is a business commitment, um, <clears throat> instead of going, oh golly, I'm, you didn't show up, oh that's okay. I have taken the stance that the best thing I can do for their life mm-hmm. is to give them a little kick in the derriere. A professional one, but to let them know the truth and the reality of how what they say they're going to do and when they don't do it, how it impacts something. I'll give you a quick example. I, um, there was a young lady who just last week uh, said she was going to do something two weeks out, one week out, all good. And then she, two days before, when we said, oh, we'll see you, then it was like, no, no nothing, crickets, no response. Ooh. And I, we, re, we went to her professor and said, do you think she's coming or not? And he said, well, I would move on. And I said, okay. So I wrote her an email. This is the email. And I won't say her name, but it said, um, this is a note for you, for your consideration and growth. Think about what you said you would do versus what you have not done. We held these positions for you that you said you were going to volunteer for FGI. You were one of those people. We therefore did not reach out to the reliable students we have worked mm. with in the past who would have appreciated being asked to do this. Mm. You asked for a new opportunity. We offered it to you you dropped the ball. We are two days from a show with much to do. And Megan, this is my assistant, is now being pulled off of her focus to secure student dresser support for the show in your place. Perhaps the next time you make a commitment, 
you will honor your own word and respond like the young professional I hope you aspire to be. Your word should have value. It is attached to your reputation in this industry. I honestly do wish you luck in your future endeavors and hope this is a learning experience for you. That is the most gracious, tough love message I've ever heard. And, thank and, you. And I think I take that responsibility and I don't mind because I thought, you know what, if they don't, for the minute, they don't like me, mm -hmm. I can hopefully in their more mature self will appreciate that moment. And I've had evidence that it has because I have actually kicked a girl off of a program once and told her to think long and deep about how she handles herself and said it but in nicely but mm -hmm. straightforward in an email. And three years later, she sent me an email back and said, Jan, I took that to heart and I want you to know what I'm doing with my life. There Thank you. you. There so you tough go. love works. Tough love works. Thank you for that. There's a lot of us that need to hear that. Jan, this has been incredible. I'm so, I'm so proud to know you, to uh, have continued watch your career, and, and to, to understand how you are so giving back. Really, that's what you're doing. I mean, you're still putting on these fashion productions. And by the way, Jan Strimple Productions, follow her. Uh, on Facebook, right? Jan Strimple, S-T-R-I-M-P-L-E Productions. But the fact that you truly, because it's nonprofit, because you are vetting and helping these Jan turns and what you're teaching them about life, never mind fashion and all that goes into that, um, you have so many children and they're all going to look at you at some point and say, I want this as my legacy. That's a nice Because thought. you're leaving. You really are, Jan. You're leaving a legacy. I won't, I won't let you go before you uh, write a book. <laughs> we'll talk about that. But thank you. Thank you so much. You're so busy. I know you're leaving right now to go do another something on production. I am. And it's, it's a true joy. Thank you for being a friend and being on the show. My pleasure. Thank you for ringing my phone. <laughs> <laughs> it had been a while. It had I didn't Valerie. know if you'd answer it. I thought, well, gosh, she's such a big person now. I wonder if she'll even answer the phone. Uh, I'm and, from Ohio. That's that, that freckled girl. Nothing leaves. I, what I look like on the outside has is only what I've learned. And but see, it hasn't has any. It doesn't have a thing to do with my core. That's authentic. Yeah. That's just you know, it's so easy. Just be who you are. And thank you so much for listening today. I know you've got as much out of this, if not more, than I did with uh, all her pearls of wisdom that we, we call her points of view. So until next time, I want you to just keep living your brand, stay authentic, and I have an ask for you this time. I would love for you to go on the podcast, subscribe, rate, number five, please, and make comments because you know what our show is all about spreading the word and if it's been meaningful to you just please do that for us and we'll get even more people watching the show and don't forget the book and where this came from is do it right on Amazon take a look until next time bye for now Thanks for listening. To receive Valerie's voice, free monthly leadership tips, and to learn more about her leadership programs and coaching, visit her website, ValerieAndCompany.com. Next week, we'll be here again to inspire, engage, and equip you 
with teachable points of view from successful leaders who have been doing it right. Until then, lead authentically.